You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your go-to daily podcast for all things Miami Marlins. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a longtime Marlins writer as well as a prospect writer and analyst. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about yesterday's game one of the Marlins Brewers series. What a surprising outcome. Baseball is so weird, isn't it? In a beautiful way, sometimes in a not beautiful way. But in this instance, it was awesome. The Marlins beat down the Brewers, and not just the Brewers, the Corbin Burns-led Brewers, 8-0 to start off this series. Trevor Rogers just dazzling again. Going to talk a little bit about Rogers as I talk about him, I feel like, every single day. So I won't waste the entire podcast episode on Rogers, though I easily could. The Marlins get to Corbin Burns for four runs. He still looked like Corbin Burns. He racked up nine strikeouts. He also had a lot of help from the home plate umpire, a wildly large zone. And at times, it seemed like Rogers was getting squeezed. And I'm not a big proponent of that. I'm not usually going to be like, oh, this umpire stinks or it's not going both ways because that's incredibly rare at the major league level. Sure, umpires have some struggles. Certain games are not that great, but typically the struggles are across the board. It was weird. It seemed like the umpire was not picking up Trevor Rogers' pitches as well or vice versa, where he was just not seeing Corbin Burns' pitch as well and calling strikes that just were not strikes. And for Rogers, despite that, to not walk a single batter, that is incredibly encouraging. Rogers' command has gotten better and better each time we see him. And again, he goes six innings, no walks, seven strikeouts to just keep building up those impressive numbers. When the season started, and I did that podcast with the Fish Stripes podcast and Eli Sussman, which was so much fun, we were giving out our bold predictions. And I said, Trevor Rogers, Rookie of the Year finalist. That's not even looking like a bold prediction now. The bold prediction, if Rogers continues this way, is Cy Young finalist because he's in that conversation. Obviously, it's super, super early right now. And I'm sure Rogers will come back to earth a little bit. But there's a lot of reasons to believe that this is some sustainable success, especially with how much he's using the fastball and how effective it continues to be. Guys know that the fastball is coming. Oftentimes, they know that it's going to be a fastball elevated, and it doesn't matter. They still swing through it. They can't touch it. That pitch, he's throwing 63% of the time, yet nobody can hit it. While I don't think anybody's going to keep up with Jacob deGrom, it is worth noting that I believe Trevor Rogers could finish in the top 20 pitchers in the game conversation by the end of this year, uh, at least statistically, whether that solidifies him as that kind of uh, consideration, that will remain to be seen, but at least the production and the numbers that he will be putting together by the end of the season, I really do believe will be well inside the top 20 pitchers in the game because of what we're seeing from him. This is sustainable success. Maybe not to a 1.29 ERA the entire season, as I said earlier, but this is legitimate, and I think we're going to see him keeping that ERA in the high twos, low threes, worst case scenario. He's going to rack up a ton of strikeouts, and he's going to be very effective all year long, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him continue to put up zeros for a while now and maybe shock the world. I really believe that he has what it takes to be that kind of pitcher, and it's just been so much fun to watch him, especially those last couple outings. To see the command continue to improve, that has to be one of the more encouraging things for this Marlins ball club. When they look at Trevor Rogers and see over the last 13 innings, he's only walked one batter and punched out 15. 
That's the biggest, biggest takeaway for me from these last two outings. Because to start the year off, he walks four. That was that shaky start at home against the Cardinals. Was a bit better walking two in his second start. Walks three in the third start. And then since then, the one walk in his last two. 38 strikeouts against 10 walks. A big improvement from last year. And it seems like it's going to continue to separate, meaning that there's going to be more strikeouts and less walks, and that strikeout-to-walk ratio is just going to continue to improve. But how about that offense? To get to Corbin Burns for four, and then just to continue to keep your foot on the gas and knock around that bullpen from the Brewers, that was just so much fun to see and much needed. While it wasn't the A-team from the Brewers' bullpen, it was still really encouraging to see this offense just keep the foot on the gas. And it's really funny, just baseball is so wild because in yesterday's episode when we previewed this series, I talked about how at the very least the Marlins need to keep the game close to be able to get to the Brewers at least a team out of the bullpen. So in that Corbin Burns start, you at least have Josh Hader get used a little bit. You have Devin Williams put some pitches on that arm so that they can't go all three games in the series. Well, the Marlins blew out the Brewers so bad yesterday that the Brewers were able to rest all of their best bullpen arms. I mean, who cares? You'll take that every single day of the week when you're beating a team up like that. But again, baseball is so weird because the fact that the Marlins were able to put up a four spot on Corbin Burns after being absolutely shut down by Logan Webb a couple days ago, it just shows you, especially this team, this team is so hard to predict and basically an enigma. This was a stat that I put out on Twitter and it's just mind-blowing. Jacob deGrom and Corbin Burns have surrendered a combined six earned runs in nine starts this season. Five of those six earned runs have been scored by the Miami Marlins. Five of the six earned runs given up by two of the best pitchers in baseball have been scored at the hands of the Miami Marlins. Baseball never makes sense, honestly. It just always has a way of surprising you. But this Marlins team takes it to another degree. And it's so much fun. Sometimes it's really frustrating. And it makes it really just keeps me on my toes here for my job, which I love. But wow, I even joked about it in yesterday's episode. I'm like, knowing the way the Marlins are and baseball is, the Marlins are probably going to torch Corbin Burns tomorrow. And they didn't torch him, but they knocked him around pretty good. And that stat is just ridiculous. The fact that five of the six earned runs that those two pitchers have given up and the only run that Jacob deGrom has given up, the only earned run, is at the hands of the Marlins is just another example of how wild this game we love is. So the good news is the Marlins pick up a really big victory in game one of the series, which was almost a scheduled loss going against Corbin Burns with your offense very, very limited and really just struggling at that point. And they're in a great position in this series moving forward with their ace, Sandy Alcantara, going in game three and then a pretty even matchup pitching wise with Dan Castano and Adrian Hauser in today's ball game. So the Brewers do at least preserve their bullpen And in a game where it could be pretty close, at least today could be pretty close between Hauser and Castano, there are going to be quite a few arms available deep in the ballgame. So the Marlins are going to need to look to jump on Hauser as their patented late game, late inning rallies will be difficult against Fire Eisen, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader, who all are ready to go and well-rested for games two and three of this series. Another big storyline for this team has to be the improvement of the bullpen as of late. They've been really strong as of the last couple weeks even, dating back to after the first week of the season, this bullpen has been very solid. Dylan Floro continuing to do what he does. 
which has just been keeping offenses in check and putting up zeros outside of that one blown save. And then Jordan Holloway really impressing again with a two inning effort. I'm looking forward to talking about him in a moment as well, but I want to start with the offense and especially led by Garrett Cooper and Corey Dickerson, both of whom had a great ball game yesterday. We mentioned going into the series, Garrett Cooper, I really believe that the excuse for him and a valid excuse was that he just wasn't getting the consistent at-bats. Now he's getting those consistent at-bats in this series. And this was the time where it's like, okay, that excuse isn't really valid anymore because now you're getting your at-bats pretty consistently. And we're seeing him start to get into a rhythm. At least it seems so last ball game as he goes two for five, a deep double and a home run as he looks more like the Garrett Cooper that we know. I will take two for five with two extra base hits and a bomb any day of the week. Only strikes out once in the ballgame as well as he was starting to look a little bit uncomfortable the last few games with the swing and miss. And then how about Corey Dickerson? I've been begging, begging for Dickerson damage and he finally finally does it and it was a blast 432 feet to dead center the only guy who hit a home run further yesterday was Wilson Contreras hitting one 456 I mean this is a huge huge pick-me-up for the Marlins offense if Corey Dickerson is able to tap into that power a bit more this is a guy that you know he's making nine million dollars he was hitting really well even coming into this game and even if he isn't hitting a ton of home runs he has been very good this year and has been a large improvement over last year's performance. That being said, especially now with Marte out, with Brian Anderson out, Dickerson needs to be at least early in counts swinging for the fences and be more aggressive earlier in those counts because we know how he's going to be with two strikes and deeper in the counts anyways. And it can be a little bit situational as well, but I like what we've seen from him. And that was a very aggressive swing, obviously. Not only have we not seen him hit a home run all year, to see him go 430 or 432 to dead center, that was a different kind of swing from Corey Dickerson. That was him looking to pulverize the baseball, and I want to see him do that in selective counts and in certain situations, and it's really good to see him doing just that. 324 batting average now for him after three hits yesterday. He is locked in, and that's really important for this team right now. Adam Duvall, he's been struggling, and he's going to need to pick it up. We've talked about that quite a bit, And again, he just needs to be the guy that he is at Truist Park, or at least a fraction of that guy. I really look at this situation now in the Marlins outfield between Duvall and now Cooper, as both of them are in the lineup right now. And it's got to be considered somewhat of a competition again, where you're looking at these two guys when the Marlins are eventually hopefully going to get Starling Marte back sometime soon. It seems like he's still having some discomfort, according to Craig Mish, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be back at least immediately, so this won't be something that needs to be answered uh, tomorrow or even potentially next week. It's probably going to be a couple more weeks at the minimum, but let's say it's a few more weeks. That gives you a handful of games, at least 10, 12 games potentially. I'm hoping it's sooner than that that we see Marte back to see who is really getting the leg up here offensively. I think Cooper is about to get really hot, especially in this hitter's park in this series against the Brewers, especially with the fact that the Marlins are avoiding Woodruff and avoiding Peralta. So they're going to see some hittable starters the next two ball games with Lauer and Hauser today. This is something that could be what Cooper needed to get ignited. For Duvall, I don't know what he needs other than going to Truist Park, so he's going to need to get it going. I like him in center field, as we've talked about. I really like that move. It's offensive-minded, but that being said, 
Duvall hasn't really been offensive-minded himself. And when we wait for Marte to come back, I love Duvall's defense in right field, but the Marlins probably have to consider if Cooper is raking over the next two weeks and Duvall is continuing to be the inconsistent hitter that he has been, the Marlins probably have to consider the fact that Cooper needs to be in the lineup every single day in right field. That's if he continues to hit the way he's been hitting. If both of those guys are struggling offensively, then you err on the side of Duvall because Duvall's defense has just been so good in the corners, and he's even been manning center field pretty well also. That being said, I think one of them will be hitting, and it's more likely to be Cooper, and if that's the case, then you got a decision to make. And in that case, with this Marlins team, you have to decide on the side of offense, especially with the way the Marlins pitching has been anyways, you got to go on the offensive-minded kind of approach. Hopefully, Duvall will make it a more difficult decision by hitting well over the next couple weeks, but I think Duvall is a really good spot starter, a really good defensive replacement, and he has shown that he's more comfortable than Cooper coming off the bench and with sporadic at-bats. I think that's been pretty evident so far this season. I'm going to talk about the potential lineup we could see if Miggy Rowe is out as he came out of the ballgame yesterday. I believe it was a hyperextension of his throwing arm, his elbow. He should be fine. He's day-to-day, but the Marlins may take it precautionary with him, especially if he's got a little bit of discomfort throwing from shortstop. No reason to be wildly alarmed, though the Marlins could definitely use him offensively right now. We'll talk about how the Marlins will shift their offense around and shift things around with that lineup if Miggy Rowe is out. And then also a look at Jordan Holloway and how he has really started to emerge as an option for this Marlins bullpen. First, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or even a simply beautiful conversation piece. They're perfect and ideal to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 and you will find it. This collection features high quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight. If you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so check out 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 on BlueNile.com. Also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Why pay 20, 30, 50% more for the same auto parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can just go to RockAuto.com and use their easy-to-navigate website to find whatever car part you need for any make or model. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tan lamps, motor oil, or even a new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered straight to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose from the brands and specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, rockauto.com always has reliably low prices and the same prices for the professionals versus the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you can just go to rockauto.com and pay less and have them shipped straight to your door? Go to rockauto.com right now and let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
So Trevor Rogers continued to do Trevor Rogers things. Dylan Floro did what Dylan Floro has done all year long. But the biggest takeaway for me beyond Rogers just being insane in the Marlins offense has to be Jordan Holloway. Holloway has continued to look strong. He goes two innings, one hit, two strikeouts, and that is it doesn't walk anybody, which is super important for Holloway, as he seems to have refined the command a little bit. The other thing that looks really good for Holloway is that he has this added confidence in this slider that he wasn't really using last year. Before his slider or curveball, they kind of blended together. It was really more so just a breaking ball for him that sometimes he would throw more firm. Now he has this slider that is just distinct and good and really hard to hit. And that has been clear so far this season. He's throwing the slider 53% of the time. And compared to the curveball, which was about 80 miles per hour, this slider is 87 miles per hour. And it's been a great pitch for him. We know that Holloway can light up the radar gun, but the fastball can be a bit flat at times, and he's not like Trevor Rogers, where he can just rely on that heater a majority of the time. He needed a more comfortable out pitch that he could rely on. The curveball always was a good out pitch, but he just didn't seem to have quite the command of it that you would like to see. This slider he has command of, and it's been Really great for him. 0 for 11 are opponents against that pitch with four strikeouts. And also, he's racking up a 40% whiff rate on the slider, a 50% whiff rate on the heater because it's helping him set up the heater a bit better this year. And this is a new-looked pitcher, in my opinion. He is not relying on the fastball nearly as much. He has now added a new dynamic to his stuff. He still throws the curveball on occasion, so you're still getting that third speed as the curveball is... 80 miles per hour, the slider 87, fastball averages around 96, but he can even touch triple digits sometimes. This is a very good reliever now for the Marlins. He may go through some growing pains here and there, but this is a new look guy. And I think you are being able to see this every time he comes out. He's only walked one in the five innings so far. He's only surrendered one hit. He's punched out six. The walks were a big concern for me. Now he's answering that and now adding another pitch and showing command of that pitch. Hallway might be making the case here. I think he is making the case here that he needs to be solidified in this bullpen. But not only that, I'm not ruling out Jordan Holloway being a starter down the line if he continues to show this improvement with his stuff. I don't know if the command would be sustainable as a starter, and I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse here, but the fact that he was able to add a third pitch here and has a differentiating breaking ball, that he has the slider that's very different from the curveball, now you have three pitches. The curveball is more effective to lefties. The slider is essentially unhittable to righties so far this season and has been good to lefties too. He's still comfortable throwing. He's thrown it 38 times this year, 26 to righties, 12 to lefties. So he's still comfortable throwing it on occasion and it's been effective. He's thrown the curveball 11% of the time, which is enough to make you think about it if you're a hitter and both righties and lefties have seen it about 10%, 10, 11% of the time. Again, that's just enough of a third pitch that you have to think about it and most relievers can just go off the fastball slider, especially when it's as good as Holloway's. So you got to wonder if that curveball continues to develop, if the command continues to develop, and maybe he starts to try to reincorporate the changeup again, then there may be a reason to not give up on Holloway as a starter. But that's, 
I think a little bit of a pipe dream and something you can look at down the line. But I think that that is just a testament to the fact that his improvements are so vast and he is making the essential improvements that not only are we talking about him as a legitimate bullpen option for the Marlins, I think you could still float the idea of him being able to start ball games. And I think the Marlins are comfortable clearly going multiple innings with him. They go two innings with him yesterday and he has just been a very, very pleasant surprise for this team and needs to probably stay in this bullpen for multiple reasons, especially because as the rotation is still sorting itself out, to have Holloway as a piggyback guy, somebody that you can have go multiple innings in relief as you wait to get your starters back, that is a pretty good option there, especially when you have somebody running triple digits up and then you can bring in maybe a softer thrower like Blyer or somebody else though Blyer has struggled, I will say. But there are some unique piggyback capabilities there for the Marlins in the meantime. And I also just love Holloway as a potential reliever. And it reverts back to the larger point of, is it worth holding on to that second rule five guy, Paul Campbell, if Holloway can kind of fill that role? Not only is he a better bullpen option, but he also fills the role of being able to go multiple innings, being able to piggyback and spot start and give you three or four innings if he's efficient. He threw 30 pitches yesterday. I thought he could have thrown plenty more. And we know in the past that he has been a starter and has gone deep into ball games. That was something that he struggled with was the command as a starter, but he was a guy that has the endurance to do that. So we'll see how Holloway is used, but I think it would be ill-advised to move him back to the alternate training site or the minor leagues as the Marlins could use him. And also, you got to think, okay, well, when's Anthony Bender coming up? And this bullpen, which looked like a glaring weakness at the start of the season with some of the young reinforcements, could end up being a lot better than we may have thought and also has been as strong as it could be since the slow start out of the gate. As we look ahead to the next couple ball games, it's worth noting that right now, as of the time I'm recording this at 2 o'clock, on a Tuesday ahead of game two of the Brewers Marlins series, there's a good chance that Miguel Rojas will not play today. He's currently questionable, and I don't know if he will play with, I think it's the hyperextension to his throwing arm. So the Marlins are probably going to have to play Jose Devers, assuming that Rojas is out. They'll definitely have to play Jose Devers unless there's a move they make last minute before the ball game. Devers did pick up the sacrifice fly in the one at bat yesterday, but I still think that he is just massively overmatched at the plate right now. Up until that sack fly, he was eight pitches into the at bat, a full count. He had not seen a single pitch in the strike zone. It was three balls, then he swung through two balls that were not strikes, and then fouled off another ball that wasn't a strike, and then eventually hit the ball into the outfield. He seems to be a sucker for the high fastball right now, but you can't blame him. This isn't me saying that Devers isn't going to be a good baseball player. This is just the fact that Devers is a guy that's only played 33 games at high A ball, and that is it. I just don't see how Devers can be the guy right now to man the spot in this Marlins lineup. As bad as Isan Diaz has been, it's got to be worth thinking about him. What about Eddie Alvarez? Well, he's not a superstar. I think he's more competitive at the plate right now than a Jose Devers. I'm assuming that today we'll probably see Devers go to second base and then we'll see Jazz at shortstop or vice versa, depending on what they deem more comfortable, who's more comfortable at second base will largely be the decider there as Jose Devers is a great defender at short. I think it'd make more sense probably to have Devers at short and then Birdie at third. A lot more speed in the lineup, at least. That will be interesting where you're going to have three plus runners in a lineup that's typically pretty slow for the Marlins and Duvall is an above average runner as well. So you have Jazz who can run, you have Birdie, 
who can really run, and you have Devers who can really run. That will be an interesting aspect of it, but at the same time, I still think Devers is really overmatched right now, and you got to think that the Marlins must just really have Isan Diaz in the doghouse. Don Mattingly said uh, something along the lines of, yeah, Devers was already at the alternate training site. We want to get Isan more reps and whatever. I don't know if I'm totally buying that. That more so just seems to me that he is in the doghouse and they don't really want to see him in the big leagues right now. And I get it. He looked really bad. But I still think it's pretty hard to justify this Jose Devers move. Hopefully, he's able to just utilize his speed, put the ball in play, and make things happen today and the rest of the series. And hopefully, Miguel Rojas is only out for a ball game or two. But we're going to see a pretty light hitting top of the order potentially with now Birdie in for Brian Anderson and Devers now in for Miggy Rowe. But again, we thought that would be the case in game one of this Brewers series. And all of a sudden, the Marlins put up some runs on Corbin Burns and on some other arms as well out of that bullpen. One last player I wanted to shout out here was Jesus Aguilar, just continuing to be locked in at the plate. He has been just a force for this offense. Did not hit a home run, broke the three home run streak, but another two hits yesterday. This is a good time for Dickerson and hopefully Cooper and Aguilar to get hot for this lineup. And imagine if those guys are still hitting when you get the reinforcements back with B.A. and the reinforcement back of Starling Marte, all of a sudden this offense may look different. You really just got to hope they can stay afloat in the meantime, pitch well. And if they can play 500 ball until those guys come back, I think you're going to be pretty happy if you're a Marlins fan, or at least you should be. But who knows? They've got a pretty easy schedule ahead as I say that. I don't want to jinx, but they do have some favorable pitching matchups after today's game with Sandy Alcantara against, I believe it's going to be Eric Lauer, and then a really struggling Nationals team. And the Marlins will be facing, they'll actually be facing John Lester in 2021, which is pretty nuts. Before I wrap up, a reminder that this episode was brought to you also by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. But you can also get all the latest news and odds for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, and UFC or MMA action, as well as NHL. Head over to BetOnline and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word locked on, to get a 50% bonus on your next deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So the Marlins have two more against the Brewers today. We'll probably see a second career start for Jose Devers. Sandy Leone has been much better behind the dish. I hope to see Sandy Leone continue to get starts behind the dish as we move forward, and hopefully he can keep hitting. Then maybe my desperation for finding another catcher can be quelled a little bit. He has been hitting well as of late. He didn't quite have the best game ever yesterday, but he did barrel two baseballs and did add another hit. So, you know what? I'll take a one for four from Sandy Leone every day of the week and from whatever Marlins catcher every day of the week. So we'll see how Sandy continues, see if he can stay hot and have his first season over the Mendoza line in quite some time. Marlins look to take the series as they have a pitching matchup of Dan Castano versus my man Adrian Hauser and then also wrap up the series with their guy on the bump. That will be tomorrow of Sandy Alcantara versus what should be Eric Lauer. Get ready to watch some big-time arms out of this Brewers bullpen in the next couple games. Hopefully, the Marlins can jump on the starters so that they don't have to try to come from behind against maybe the best bullpen or one of the best bullpens in baseball. As always, thank you for listening. 
Thank you for those who take the time to leave ratings as they help me immensely with visibility. And I always appreciate hearing your feedback. It's been awesome seeing how much this show has grown since last season and since the start of this season. Marlon's interest continues to grow and you spending your time with me on this podcast to be able to get your information from me uh, is something I will never take for granted. Thank you very much. And I look forward to talking Marlon's baseball with you tomorrow.